I speak to you in the name of the living God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Gang's all here. Thanks for coming back. Yay! So today's story, I wonder if you recognized it when Father Donovan read it. The one where Thomas somehow misses out on Jesus coming to visit the disciples the first time. I often wonder where Thomas was. Did he go out for happy hour? Did he need to go run an errand? Maybe he needed to take a smoke break. Who knows? Where was he? Thomas is famously known for insisting on seeing the wounds for himself. And while most of us think that it was because he didn't believe the stories that he was hearing, I know it was because he wanted to confirm that Jesus was indeed a holy man. Holy man. You can say boo, it's okay. Get her off stage. As fun as good old Thomas is, I'm going to focus on a different part of the story this morning. So have you ever been laying in bed, you're just about to drift off to sleep, and all of a sudden your eyes open wide, did I lock the front door? You may lay there for a minute thinking about your nighttime routine and decide that you better get up and check, just in case. In my home, not very often, but I lay there, think about it, and then give Steve a little nudge. Hey, babe, you awake? Mm-hmm. Did you lock the door? Mm-hmm. I make him get up and check. I could go check, but I make him do it. I remember when I was a little girl, my little brother was a sneaky little devil, and he could get out of the front door pretty quickly. One time, my parents got a knock at the door about evening time, and there was a man who was working on the railroad tracks. We lived right across the street from the railroad track, and he was holding my little brother. Uh, Ma'am, is this your little boy? Yes, he had gotten out the door, crossed the street, and was over at the railroad tracks where they were working. And another time, it was about 8 o'clock, my mom had tucked us all into bed, and my little brother somehow had gotten out, walked all the way down the street with his little two-year-old self, knocked at the door of his best friend saying, can Donna play? And my, the mom called my mom and said, are you missing somebody? My mom's like, no, I don't think so. She said, you better check because Patrick's down here, and he wanted to know if Donna could play. After that, my parents got one of those locks on the door. Maybe you have them, maybe you remember them. They're the kind that you put up real high with a little chain and it has a little thing you lock. After that, nobody could get out anymore. My little brother could not get out. So they had peace knowing that we were all safe inside, especially my sneaky little brother. Door locks have been around for a very long time. Archaeological digs reveal that in Jesus's day, a door was probably locked with a bar and a prop. So they had this like iron um, bar and some sort of heavy prop to hold it shut. And for the wealthy, they had a slave that actually slept by the front door, keeping the bad people out. 
Locking a door creates a self-defined barrier between yourself and others. A locked door says something. To the outsider, it says, you're not welcome here. But to the ones who are on the inside, it says, the lock is keeping us safe. We lock our doors out of fear, fear that someone may rob us or hurt us, or fear that our little ones can get out and get hurt. Locked doors make us feel safe on the inside. And this morning, we find ourselves behind locked doors with the disciples. It was evening on that very first Easter. The sun was going down, the glimmer of the day still shone in the sky. Earlier that day, Jesus had revealed himself to Mary Magdalene. She was, had seen Jesus face to face, and she had already told the disciples that she had seen her Lord. But the disciples, not knowing what was in store for them, were full of fear, huddled inside the house behind a locked door. Their world had been turned upside down. They were terrified of the Jewish authorities. Their Messiah had been killed and they could be next. Grieving and reeling, not sure what was going to happen to them, they decided hunkering down behind a locked door was probably their best bet. At any moment, the Roman soldiers might come in to take them away. Already one betrayer had been found in their group. Any knock at the door would bring them trembles. Any word from outside brought terror to their hearts. Often, our hearts can be like locked doors. Shame, guilt, fear, sin are tools that we use to keep God out. And yet... None of those things can keep Jesus out. After his resurrection, the first thing Jesus does is enter the house to be present with the beloved disciples. He appeared to the disciples who have locked themselves away from the world out of fear. While they were struggling and mourning, God showed up. He didn't need them to open the door. He simply showed up. Think about it. If Jesus would have knocked on the door, you think they'd really answer? Hey guys, it's me, Jesus. I think they probably would have been freaked out and not opened the door. Now here's what I really love about this. When Jesus shows up, He wasn't mad. He didn't holler at them for being so afraid. He didn't scold them or did he question why they had locked the door. Instead, our God stood among them, wanting to be with them. He spoke directly to their fear. Peace be with you. Jesus' first words to his disciples are a blessing of peace. And wonderfully, we not only hear it once, but we hear it again and again. Jesus' greeting to them recalls the words of comfort that had been spoken just a few days before at the Last Supper when he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. 
I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. The very presence of Jesus brought peace and security. He appears among the mourning and the shocked and the afraid and probably even a little angry crew and says, peace be with you. His words are a part of his purpose and being present with them and with us. We can know peace because the resurrected Lord is with us. No matter our circumstance or what fear is gripping us right now, Jesus is with you. You see, when Jesus said, peace be with you, the Prince of Peace was standing in their midst. God is peace. The Prince of Peace shows us that in spite of all the hurt and harm and the world can and will inflict on us, God's compassion and care embodied in Jesus stands in their midst, resurrected, alive. Peace is with them. He gives them peace even though they didn't deserve it and they abandoned him. We know that Peter struggled with how he acted on Good Friday, so it's not really far-fetched to consider that the others might have felt a little guilt as well. The feeling is likely familiar to many of us. Jesus spoke words of forgiveness on the cross. All of our guilt, shame, and sin he took to the cross with him. And now... He blesses those who have done him wrong with peace. To be forgiven is to be, to be made free at peace, set in a new direction. We might call God's forgiveness our commissioning. When Jesus offers the action that follows forgiveness and its welcome to peace, he describes the disciples as sent just as he is sent by the Father. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. The peace of Christ is woven together with sending them out into the world. They're to be forgiven people of peace out in the world. The disciples are to be people who give peace, who physically show up, who sacrifice for others out of love, and for peace. We too are forgiven people who should show up, give peace, and sacrifice for others out of love and for peace. Just as his commissioning, commissioning words roll off his tongue, Jesus breathes on the disciples and tells them to receive the Holy Spirit reminding them of the promises of the Spirit who would sustain them in the days to come. Jesus told his disciples just a couple chapters ago, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. And then he goes on to tell them, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Jesus knew that his followers would face many challenges in the days ahead, but he also knew that the Holy Spirit was exactly what they would need to get through those tough times. 
as I see it. Hang on. There we go. Just thinking that didn't sound right. As I see it, peace and the Holy Spirit go together, maybe even like peas and carrots. Now take a moment, close your eyes, and take a deep breath. Breathe in the breath of God. Jesus' act of breathing on his disciples takes us back to the creative breath of God, bringing life into being in Genesis, and perhaps even the new life to the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel. The coming of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples and upon us is like a new creation. It wakens us with life where there is no life. The disciples' mission and our mission is made possible by the resurrected Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. We may feel like God has been out of touch with the realities of the chaos, the illness, the wars, and the hatred of everyday life. But I'm here to tell you that the one who offers the world the word of peace to the disciples is the very one who on the cross endured the brunt of the chaos and the hatred and is standing among them, risen indeed. And at the same time, that same one, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is here with us now offering us peace breathe in the breath of god today fill your lungs with the spirit filled with peace and the forgiveness of god has for you know that god is with you and god loves you neither doors nor fear could prevent the risen christ coming to his disciples because of his love for us, the risen Jesus came to be in their midst. And thankfully, those fearfully locked doors could not, would not keep the peace of Christ, nor the power of the Holy Spirit out. As you exchange the peace of Christ this morning, do it knowing that the Prince of Peace is in our midst. Amen. Amen.